Force Design 2030 update released in May emphasized that the Corps must continue to develop concepts for resilient logistics webs in a contested environment with multiple options for support to include distribution networks and multi-domain delivery methods. Marine Corps Systems Command's Logistics Combat Element Systems portfolio provides and sustains many of these capabilities for the Fleet Marine Force. LCES equips and sustains our Marines with engineering, supply, maintenance, ammunition and tactical wheeled vehicle systems, and solutions to support various missions and enable lethality. These capabilities include everything from lightweight ammunition and medical refrigerators to tent systems and robot technologies. The portfolio includes a team of experienced Marines, sailors, and civilians who serve in a myriad roles from subject matter experts to engineers. Today, I'm pleased to have the portfolio manager for LCES, Colonel John Gutierrez, on the podcast. Welcome, sir. Hey, Thanks thank for you. taking the time. I know we got a lot to talk about. You got a very large portfolio of diverse programs, but before we dive deep into them, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up here on this acquisition team. Sure. So how I began uh, living the dream. Let's see. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm from the West. Uh, I was, I'm from Arizona is what I say, uh, typically. Um, but uh, my father was a mining engineer uh, oh, okay. and, and we used to, we moved around about every 18 to 24 months throughout the West, lived in every Western state except Oregon, uh, usually in small mining or, or logging towns. So did that, bounced all over to include Alaska and then spent most of my time in Arizona. I graduated high school there. Uh, then out of high school, I joined the, the Naval Reserve. I was a uh, Navy corpsman. Oh, okay. Went to school for a while down in San Diego, then came back and, and finished up at Arizona State University. I was a uh, biology and chemistry major in college, minor in chem, major in biology. And then uh, decided that, uh, you know, I was thinking going into medicine and, and that route. I really enjoyed working with the Marine Corps, so I decided to to come in and, and went to OCS and, and that's how it all began. Oh, so. that's awesome. And here you are. But okay. I, I'm sure you had no visions of going into acquisition when you joined the Marine Corps. Not at all. So <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. Uh, I, I came in my first my first unit or my first tour as a supply officer. I was at 2nd Battalion, 10th Marines. Went out to dinner with a, a captain that I worked for mm-hmm. and his buddy and uh he just he was telling me about running around in former Russian republics with a bag of money as a contingency oh. contracting officer. I was like, that sounds like James Bond stuff and awesome. How do I do that? And he goes, well, you go to this place called the Naval Postgraduate School and get a graduate degree and, and then you can do this. And then so I did. I, I, I went out there and uh, was a lieutenant uh, when I when I got there and, okay. and uh, graduated in December of 2001 out of the contracting curriculum. Uh, and then my payback tour was at the 2nd Supply Battalion, 2nd Force Service Support Group Okay. as the contingency contracting officer. So then got so to, you were the guy with a big bag of money that had to go out and buy all the things they needed when they were down, right? That's right. So uh, got to got to go participate in Operation Iraqi Freedom 1 for the initial invasion. I got to go do some stuff in Afghanistan. Uh, got to deploy down to Haiti as well. So got oh, okay. to spend a lot of deployed time. Uh, but what my takeaway from that was, I didn't even know what an acquisition guy was then, but right, right. it was you know providing capabilities that were not readily available in the supply system. And so whether it was a supplier service, you know, I was getting on the local economy, 
I really enjoyed that. I really liked having that that impact to the operating forces. And I, I just thought it was, you know, uh, dynamic, a lot of fun, challenging, all those things. So would you say a good foundation for what you eventually got into? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, I think the, the education you get from NPS in that particular curriculum, but then also uh, the, those experiences as a contracting officer set the foundation. And you'll see a lot of... Uh, you know, 8061 acquisition officers who have that same background now. So, so again, um, we're not actively recruiting, but sure. since I have this moment in the yeah. spotlight, uh, if there are any contracting officers out there listening, they need to pay attention. So that's right. Uh, but no, I, I appreciate that. So, so you were actually in one of the, uh, first classes of the acquisition officers that transitioned to become a professional MLS. That's right. So you, you've seen the field grow. How have things evolved and changed for you sure. in the last few years? So I would say when I when I came in, it was still a you know the, an unchartered path. Nobody really knew yeah, what yeah. A, what a career path looked like yeah. or anything else. So it was it was uncharted territory. So I, I think over time, what I've seen uh, being in this MOS since two thousand seven now is a professionalization of the MOS. I would say, and then not only within the acquisition community writ large, but also, across the, the Fleet Marine Force and the other services, now when you hear the, the Commandant or the ACMAC or other senior leaders, there's no explaining about what an acquisition officer right. is or what value we provide. People know that now. Marines awesome. know that. So, yes. But listen, I want to jump right in. Logistics is the heart of any ar- army or, or any operation that we, we do. So it's natural that it's also a critical component for Force Design 2030. Can you give us an overview of some of the things that, that your portfolio uh, does or, or is in charge of? I know you have a, a very large amount sure. of programs, so can you just give us the wave tops? On- sure. So across our five program management offices, engineering, supply maintenance, ammunition, light, medium, heavy tactical vehicles, I would say. I'm, I'm only going to hit the highlights, and, and this is not all inclusive because we have over 300 programs and initiatives, but I would say within program engineering systems, the Tactical Air Ground Refueling Station, TAGGERS, uh, that's a significant capability that's going to provide a modular refueling capability to be able to um, provide rapid forward refueling for forward arming refueling points or FARPs. Mm-hmm. So that's right, going to be right, a critical right. component for operating in uh, you know, EABO and, and right. other, other anticipated... Uh, Dispersed environment. Absolutely. Um, I would say within the supply and maintenance piece... Uh, supply and maintenance systems uh, program management office, the expeditionary uh, fluid analysis system, that's going to really revolutionize, I think, how we do a lot of maintenance uh, across the fleet marine force. That's going to really provide a tool where marines and commanders can really perform predictive, you know, some predictive uh, analysis there to say, okay, instead of bringing in your vehicle every 5,000 miles, let's say, now it's conditions based where they can look at the fluid and say, oh, yeah, absolutely. This needs to be this needs to be fixed, um, et cetera. And it can also warn of uh, early part failures, et cetera. So that's something we're getting ready to field as well. That's so it's, a- it's funny you say that because I think one of the things that technology has done, particularly to the main maintenance side of the house, a lot of these vehicles we get, they're smarter. They're going to be able to tell you, hey, driver, you need to slow down because, you know, you're about to blow something or other. So. So you're, you're finding that, you know, the, the training piece to go with that on the maintenance side, how has that evolved? Uh, oh, and, I, and I don't mean to, sure. 
digress a little bit, but I think it's important to understand that, you know, a mechanic used to be able to take care of his vehicle, look at the manual, do all the things. Now that vehicle comes in, you plug into a smart unit and it tells you, here's all the things you need to pay attention to. So great question. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked that actually. So it kind of blends over into some of our tactical vehicle portfolio. So look at the joint light tactical vehicle, for mm -hmm. example, that is not you know, your grandfather's Humvee, let's right, say. Right. Um, that is a complex, you know, uh, uh, integrated vehicle system, but mm -hmm. it's also on a, built on a network platform. So when you perform maintenance on that, you know, we have the traditional technical manuals, et cetera. But also what we're seeing is, um, particularly with this newer generation of uh, Marines and I should say soldiers, sailors, and airmen, right, because right. they're also uh, using that same equipment. Where these are, you know, let's say available almost like on a YouTube where they can pull up a smartphone or something like that and look, okay, how do I do X, Y, and Z? And so we're, we're looking at, you know, evolving those training standards, evolving some of those, you know, particularly in the maintenance world, you know, to be able to resonate more, I would say, with the right. user. So getting back to your, yeah. uh, and again, didn't mean to derail sure. no, you, but no uh, as we... As we sure. chat here, I'm gonna sure. find opportunities to pick sure. up things that yeah. might be of interest. So, getting back to your portfolio. Sure. So, I'd say a program manager for ammunition, mm -hmm. probably a, a one of the big game changers here recently has been the lightweight 50 cal polymer ammunition oh, round. Okay, so they've gone through a couple of limited user evaluations with that at machine gunner courses. I think at both one and two MAF received glowing reviews from the gunners as well as you know the Marines on the ground. But the significant piece to that is really no change in performance, mm -hmm. but a 20% weight savings. And so, yeah, significant if you're, you know, had in a rucksack and you're humping, you know, packing that thing, but also being able to save in transportation costs, you know, think about oh, fuel, absolutely. think about fuel, et cetera, on an aircraft. And then also as we look into future concepts, that's going to enable potentially, you know, um, aerial resupply via uh, unmanned aerial systems mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So... Just, you know, that's just at the you know tip of the, the iceberg, I think, what we're, what we're seeing. Also, some exciting things we're doing within our two tactical wheeled vehicle portfolios. So within PM light tactical vehicles, I would say the ultralight tactical vehicle uh, is going to be replacing the utility task vehicle okay. right now in the fleet. You know, the, the fleet marine force right now is screaming for these things. You can, they're, they're the, they're the, the, you know, it's like... First time ice cream came out right, or something right, like right, that. Right, everybody right, loves right, it right. and everybody wants more. Um, and so a significant game changer, you know, it's internally transportable to the MB-22, uh, 1,800 pounds of payload. And so, you know, as we look at uh, integrating systems on it, whether it be a, uh, Elmatis or other systems, um, this thing is our tactical air ground refueling station taggers. You know, there's a lot of capability and we're, and, and although we haven't fielded it yet and we're getting ready, you know, we're, we're still in testing, et cetera. And we're working with special operations command on this platform. Yeah, um, I was just it has a lot say, of capabilities. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's not something that you went down the road uniquely on yourself. So no. I, I think no. it's a great case in point where, uh, you know, another, another entity saw the, the usefulness of this and you joined forces to. Absolutely. And we try to do that as much as we can. It's, it's the best way to spend money is using yeah, other yeah, people's yeah. money as much as we can. And then, so I would say, finally, in the medium and heavy tactical portfolio, one of the technology initiatives that they're really getting after our, we're excited about is the anti-idol prototype initiative with the LVSR. Okay. And so that that also is a, is a game changer. It can um, It's going to save 
well, currently the, the LVSR idles about 43% of the time. Mm -hmm. So think about this technology, much like your brand new vehicle that you would have, right. you know, start, stop, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, significant fuel savings and then all those, those things that would support all those secondary and tertiary benefits that would enable and support the uh, department. Savings, yeah. The department of, of the Navy's uh, climate strategy uh, coming out. So, you know, with reduced fuel consumption, greenhouse gases, wear on engine components, right. et cetera. So. And again, the, you know, both the MTVR, LVSR, two workhorses that oh, have absolutely. been doing wonders for, for the Marine Corps for years, and they have years left of their life yeah. uh, into the future. So anything we can do to, you know, maximize their efficiency and, and maybe perhaps minimize the carbon footprint, as they say. So Absolutely. And, and you know, maybe we'll talk about it a little later, but we do have an initiative right now that's going to be replacing a portion of the MTVR okay. on the medium tactical truck. And, and so one of the technologies actually that we're, we're seeking as a por portion of that is hybrid electric technologies, you know, okay. integrating that into that. Well, we don't have to systems. wait for later. We can talk about <laughs> it now. I mean, you just talked about the, your, your vehicle fleet. So can you touch on that a little bit and tell sure. us where, where you think you might be going with the Hybrid electric or, you know, uh, optional uh, different types of energies? Of course. Sure. So what I would say is this touches uh, multiple components across the LCES portfolio. Okay. But um, more importantly, uh, you know, it's a significant enabling function to, you know, anything that, that wants to integrate on the system that is powered. And so, yeah, there's a real move across the Department of Defense, I would say, and the Marine Corps Department of the Navy to look at, um, you know, whether it's a, uh, electrification of tactical wheeled vehicles, right. um, whether it's uh, hybrid, you know, hybridization or a mix of the two. So we're just now starting to look at, you know, uh, experimentation at that. And, and I know McWill has some ac activities mm -hmm. going on that might uh, be integrated into IBX or even uh, the MLR, you know, experiments right. later right. on. But, you know, we are very much, uh, you know, Monitoring the marketplace, seeing what industry is doing, uh, as far as you know, they're, they're, the technologies and battery technologies are changing right. and changing. So the services are looking at that right now. You know, unfortunately, right now as technologies are today, I would say you know a part of our constraints are the weight, the cube of those right. uh, lithium-ion batteries, and then not only that, but the stability of those lithium-ion batteries, mm -hmm. particularly as you want to transport them on naval vis vessels or right. aircraft. Um, so, and the other thing too is that uh, you know the the infrastructure, you know, industry is is investing a lot more. Governments investing a lot more in the infrastructure when it comes to commercial electrification of vehicles. So I'm assuming some of that may may help inform and influence the path forward as as we try to do you know hybrid type of uh, operations in remote locations. Absolutely, uh, without, without an infrastructure to from so absolutely and i think those, those would be um lessons learned that we could you know right. gain from experiments you know in a controlled environment and, and and let marines use this gear and commanders use this gear and and get messy with it and and learn you know learn hard lessons that we can apply well it sounds like it's a exciting time to be at lcs especially if you're playing around with vehicles and, and hybrid type stuff I'll tell you, I think every day is an exciting day to be at LCS. I think we have uh, one of the, I think probably the best mission here within uh, the command. So, so uh, 
I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because I got to ask you. So uh, you know, it's easy to understand. We have PMs throughout, but you're the you, you're the portfolio manager. What's yeah. your main mission? Your main role as a portfolio manager? So I mean, you obviously okay. have all these PMs that oversee 300 plus programs. Sure. So I, I'd say I, I do. I, I do basically two things, right? So I lead people and I manage things. Okay. okay? And so. That's, that's an encompassing thing. So let's talk about leading people, okay. right? So right now within LCES, um, you know, our organization is right around 450 Marines, sailors, government, civilians, and contractors. Okay. And, you know, we're in 10 different states, two different lo- locations in Japan. So um, just, you know, all of the, the personnel piece of that, you know, that consumes a lot, and whether it be fitness reports and, and, you know, administrative matters or, you know, counselings or, you know, awesome stuff like PMEs and, right, and getting right. out and doing those things or, or just going out and engaging with our teams, et cetera, and then mentoring all of those things. And then the, the, the management, I would say, of things. So management, managing our budget. You know, we have an operating budget of just over a billion dollars a year. We have over 300 programs and initiatives ranging from a, a joint ACAT-1C jail, the Joint Light Tactical right. Vehicle Program, all the way down to, you know, abbreviated acquisition programs, for example, PM engineering systems and their explosive hazard defeat system, um, their sickle stick, let's say, yeah, which is yeah. just kind of looks like a scythe or something. So, right, right. I mean, right. so it runs the gamut, really. Yeah. And so, you know, so what, and, and when I say that, I, I bring that up is because I might have a meeting about electrification and doing that. And then I shift gears and I spend some time with our expeditionary medical systems team, who we have a, far, a Navy commander who's a pharmacist on that team, by the way. And we're talking, I'm talking about, you know, things going back to my roots as a corpsman, right. uh, you know, and, and equipping our, our doctors, nurses, and corpsmen ashore who are, you know, treating Marines to shifting gears and going into additive manufacturing and 3D printing and then shifting gears again and going into explosive hazard defeat. So what I would say is no, no day is exactly the same and it's dynamic and it's, it's fun. It's challenging all those things. So I was going to ask you what's a typical day or week look like, but I think we've already covered that. So I'll, I'll just go, go beyond that. So any given day, Colonel John Gutierrez may not know what hat he's going to have to put on that afternoon. So you start with one in the morning, but you may be wearing something different in the afternoon. I think it's fascinating that uh, I didn't realize we had uh, folks over in uh, 10 different states. And So speaking of that, you spent some time uh, in Detroit, correct? I did, yes. Right. I, I so spent, you, uh, I did it. We do a lot there. with our partners and whatnot. So you have a little bit of a background in, in dealing with particularly the Army and vehicle programs. Can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. So my my relationship with the Army is actually uh, goes further back. So okay. um, I served two times as a product manager. Um, both times were within PEO, CS, and CSS. I served as a product manager at Fort Belvoir with the DOD project manager for mobile electric power. Um, and so got to work with, um, you know, the PEO up in Michigan and all of that and, and got to deploy a couple times to Afghanistan with them. Um, so that was, you know, at some, you know, began those relationships. Right, right. And then a second time as a product manager, I went to Detroit, uh, worked as a joint product manager for vehicle systems at the joint program office for joint light tactical vehicles and spent three years in that program. So I know, uh, I probably know as many army, uh, officers, acquisition, you know, uh, professionals 
just about as many as I do in the Marine Corps. Um, wow. So uh, the, the benefit is right now in this position that I have is when you look at um, PEO, combat support and combat service support, the Army PEO up in Michigan, and our portfolio at Logistics Combat Element Systems, with the exception of medical systems and ammunition in my portfolio at LCES, and with the exception of watercraft that they have up, up there, everything else that we have within the two portfolios perfectly align. So we, we do extensive work with them. Uh, and then those personal relationships of what I have I have with them as well, you know. Are yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing to to be a professional and know your trade and whatnot, but it takes it to a whole nother level when sure. you maintain all these relationships that are sure. critical to sometimes just getting access to the meeting, sure. you know, getting access to the information and being part of the team. Kind of drives me down another another path. I know you've been involved in in something we call home on home done a couple of those efforts with the Army. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the home on home and, and what's it about and what sure what some of the takeaways might be from sure. conducting those? Sure. We started this a couple years ago okay. with um, Mr. Uh, Tim Cadet okay. uh, when he was the PEO up there. And so what we, we did it, uh, I think, in person the first time and then virtual. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, and, and this year we're going to do it also again in person. Okay. Uh, but the big takeaway is and you're you're gonna love this, Manny. It's it first part is about getting messaging down, right? And we right. want to get the messaging down between the two services and a lot of our common initiatives, as well as those programs where from external stakeholders we could look like that there should be convergence on that, or or and we can you know come up with a, a, a narrative of well this is why the army's doing this and this is why the marine corps is doing this, and so just so we understand each other first of all. And then when we can collaborate, much like we talked about with the ultralight tactical vehicle that we're collaborating with SOCOM or the joint light tactical vehicle and other initiatives with the Army, et cetera, it just gives that forum where we can say, okay, you're working, you're coming up with uh, this new technology, you're, you're getting ready to come out with a, uh, you know, let's say the common tactical truck as a platform that the Army's right, working right, on right. that could replace kind of the heavier tactical wheeled vehicles. We're monitoring that. We're, we're, we're super excited about it. We don't have any funding for it, but we're super excited about it. Medium tactical truck, Army's super excited about it. They're just kind of watching though, but we do that. We, we, and so what we do is we try to see where's there collaboration opportunities and where there's opportunities where, okay, we, we have this and you're doing this and we're doing this and why, and that's okay. And then so also helps us as we start to, you know, get into um, testimony season and other things. Yeah, I mean, you just went down the road where I was going to say, I mean, it, I'm sure it's no no surprise to you, but the ability for us to showcase the fact that we're, you know, we're, we're sharing, collaborating is a win-win for us on Capitol Hill. Oh, yeah. Congress wants to, you know, and, and, you know, they get briefed by the Marine Corps, they get briefed by the Army. Sometimes they get briefed on the same capability and two different paths. And then we get kind of crossed, you know, we get caught in the crosshairs of, uh, wait, aren't they doing this? Aren't you doing that? So I, I think what you're doing by conducting these home-on-homes, you're taking some of that surprise off the table yes, and, and ensuring that, you know, we're mm -hmm. playing on the same level field. And, and again, I, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't, we may not have the same mission profile that the Army does, yeah, but we might be able to collaborate and capitalize on some of the same investments. You're, 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 you're spot on on that. And so that was a hard lesson that I learned. Uh, I've got a lot of scars on that uh, as a captain and major at PM Infantry Combat Equipment back okay. in 2005 to 
2008 and the Dark Days of Body Armor. Oh, that's what okay. I was working yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. my first program. Project. Hasn't gone away, but no, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they would do that. It's hey, they're it doing this, you're doing that, and but, uh, and, but yeah. that was the lesson I learned. Is yeah, you yeah, always yeah. sync with um, the army or the, or whatever service. That was my big takeaway. So we we could actually make a whole show of JLTV <laughs> as well too, because yes. they they suffer for years from you know they the army us uh, we suffered for years for for not being able to come to the table and say okay. Let's develop a joint pad forward, and I think uh, we we've seen the success uh, of that. So, do you have? Uh, you said you have an, an upcoming uh, home on home. We do. Uh, um, so we're going to combine. Focus on vehicles, or no? We okay. we we focus across the portfolio. Oh, so okay. all five p.m. Well, uh, no, I will say all four p.m.s. Okay. They don't do ammunition there, but got it, got uh, it. that's a different PEO for the Army up in New Jersey. But uh, our, our four p.m.s, yes, that's what we. We go across the gamut, and then we the the PMs kind of break it down a little bit, so it's more of a high level, you know, strategic exec. Since you have the PEO there and myself, are, and so that's kind of what we do on that. Oh, um, it should be exciting. Looking yeah. forward to that. Maybe we might have have to have somebody from uh, from your portfolio back on to talk to us about that. Absolutely, and you all are welcome to always attend if you want to. I'm looking forward to okay. it. Let me uh, shift gears on you a little bit. Uh, your relationship to the fleet. Yeah. What role do they play in your day-to-day life, and how involved are you uh, with the fleet? So that's a two-part question. Okay. Um, first is um, what role does the FMF have, you know, within our shaping our programs? And I would say, I mean, they're our, our ultimate customer. So, you know, we do have various touch points, whether it be, you know, myself going out and engaging with uh, the MEFs or the, the subordinate commands, you know, whether it be going with the commander as we've had in the past or going out um, with, uh, with specific engagements with our PMs, you know, it's invaluable. Both if you're meeting with a division or, or MLG or wing commander, but, you know, even when you peel beneath that, that's where really where you start seeing. Uh, and, and when you, you know, not only myself, but when you start getting right. the, the team leads and, and the PMs and, and others down at the deck plate level, I mean, that just shapes so much because we learn, we learn so much from them. And they're not, a, they're not afraid, which is awesome, to tell us what's working well and more importantly, what's not and why. And so those are, those are points that we can really take and we can, you know, dive we into. Can, and, we can have great vision, great ideas <laughs> and great engineers, but where the pointy end of the spear is, if it's not employed the way we envision it's not doing anybody any. You're absolutely right. So we need that feedback loop, etc. And so uh, I think the second part or follow-on question is, what is my interaction with the right. fleet? Um, again, it's dynamic. So what I would say is it, you know, we, we do specific at times uh, engagements where we go out and we interact with the fleet, etc. And, and, and do those type of things. Or other times, you know, um, working with you know, my stakeholders or our stakeholders here within Quantico, whether it be CDD or PPNO, et cetera. But, you know, keeping that, keeping that drumbeat, keeping those communication lines open, et cetera. Those are, that's really, I think, the value of that. Let's uh, talk about industry a little bit. Of course. Yeah. Obviously, all the wonderful things that we do, we can't do without industry being able to ultimately produce a product for us. What's your engagement like with industry? Is that something you uh, do on a regular basis? It is. I mean, at times we, we have uh, specific industry engagements, whether they be, you know, I think we were down at Norfolk with the Tactical Wheeled Vehicle Conference oh, right. or, 
you know, modern day marine, etc. And then we have, um, you know, smaller ones, it's, you know, etc. Or go out to the, the, the industry sites, um, you know, again, maintaining those lines of communications. Right. Um, and then really with industry, understanding a lot of their challenges, particularly in today's environment. Everybody knows about inflation. You go to the gas station, right, you get right, right. a quart of milk. You see it every day. You see it every day. Well, yeah. we're seeing that, you know, uh, oftentimes multiplied, not only with your large contractors. I mean, so you name your whatever large Acme mm-hmm. Incorporated company, very large, but they don't make everything in-house. They have, right. they've got second and third, you know, tiered sub suppliers underneath. A lot of mom and pop operations. Right. And they're and in industry many times right now it's just being crushed by, you know we've got firm fixed price contracts in place. Let's say sometimes maybe we don't have economic price you know clauses in there, and so it's really it's quite challenging I think for both the government and industry, and we're trying to work through those challenges. And then also just like anything, supply chain you know supply chain is an issue, uh, whether it be microchips or etc. And so those are all issues. And then, and then second and third order effects to that could be quality, quality, you know, in, in whatever product that we're fielding and the Marines are using. And then, you know, there's a quality defect. And then you start doing a root cause analysis of why did this occur? Well, they had to change suppliers because of X, Y, Z. And it, it, it's complicated. So you have, to, you have to maintain the communications. It's not a us versus them. It's a team effort. And whether it be the, the fleet, whether it be... Um, you know, industry or, or it, it, they're a stakeholder and they're a partner. So, so I'd venture to say that uh, the last two years have been rather challenging. And again, I, I mean, we we're challenged all the time to ensure we stay, you know, cost schedule and performance. But it really is a, a different dynamic when you start talking about not just something that affects a vendor, but something that's affecting the world as a whole and the impacts that it ultimately has on on some of our programs. So it's got to be challenging from your perspective to try and maintain the schedule, the cost, and the performance of, of uh, these capabilities. So it, it absolutely is. And I would say, you know, in addition to the traditional triangle, the cost schedule performance triangle, another piece that's, you know, it's very, it's almost like a Venn diagram, I would say, is risk. You know, uh, managing right, risk with right. each, within each one of those elements is just amplified right now with you know the 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 external factors with the global economy and right. COVID and right. supply chain etc. So, well, listen, it's been a great conversation. I, I you know we touched on the extreme diverse programs that you have, so it's got to be fun. It's got to be interesting to to bounce around. But I want to focus on your workforce a little bit. Yeah, can you maybe touch on some of the accomplishments uh, your teams have had over the last year or so and. Uh, some of the things you're looking forward to in the, in the year or two ahead. Sure. Um, so what I would say within this past year, um, we achieved initial operational capability um, with the Littoral Explosive Neutralization System, okay. or LEON. Yeah. Uh, and that was out at 7th ES Engineer Support Battalion. Um, within the PM for uh, Supply and Maintenance Systems, what we did is we transitioned the uh, Advanced Manufacturing Operations Center, okay. AMOC, AMOC cell. Yeah. Done some great work. With yeah, them. yeah, fantastic uh, capability. But what we did is we we worked with the staff here and we transferred them down to PM uh, Supply and Maintenance Systems. Okay. So now we have a, a team that does advanced manufacturing. Or, and so you've got the AMOC cell coordinated with two programs of record, both the Expeditionary Fabrication System and the Tactical Fabrication System, which goes right into... Um, and you said... 
I'm sorry, no, the, you said advanced, but you mean additive manufacturing. Additive manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I get additive, that all. Additive manufacturing, but I think the umbrella is advanced manufacturing. Oh, gotcha. And then gotcha. that's a piece to it. I'm learning too. There's yeah. so many, yeah, I mean. I used to just call it 3D printing, <laughs> but it's not 3D printing. Yeah, no. there's subtractive. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's complicated. Yeah. But uh, so there's that, I would say, within the uh, PM ammunition portfolio. Um, supporting all the presidential drawdowns for uh, you know Ukraine, mm-hmm. so I think um, law law rockets, uh, javelin missiles, artillery, etc. PM for light tactical vehicles. Their big takeaway this year is they just fielded the three thousandth JLTV. So that that was yeah that. That, that was big. So um, our 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 authorized allowance right now is uh, twelve thousand five hundred. So we're making steady progress right there. And then finally within the PM for medium and heavy tactical vehicles. What I would say is probably coming up with uh, or executing the conversion of MTVRs uh, to high Mars uh, resupply vehicles oh, okay. and high Mars resupply trailers, and some of the work they did there. There uh, with converting the, absolutely converting thirty five yeah. of those for tenth Marines, yeah. and so this year, just looking forward to continuing leading an extraordinary team of uh, Marine sailors, men and women who are. Uh, performing an incredible mission and uh, supporting our Marines and sailors in the Fleet Marine Force. Uh, that's outstanding. I, I do want to touch on something else. I mean, this COVID environment kind of changed things, uh, a lot more telework and, and things of that sort, but your team actually took on a different initiative. You took on the initiative of setting up a distributed workforce model. Some folks call it a Google-like facility. But can you touch on that a little bit and tell us how it's going? Sure. I'm glad you asked me that, Manny. So it was a commander-directed pilot program. Okay. Uh, and so what we were tasked with is, you know, executing and, and really learning lessons from operating in that hybrid okay. distributed workplace. What I would say is we, we were, were lucky or fortunate enough to have a facility purpose built for that. Um, and there's some, there's, you know, it does not look like any government facility I've ever been in. It doesn't look like any specifically a Marine Corps facility I've ever been in. Um, so, but it has a reduced uh, facility footprint. Um, so, 176. It has seats for 176 out of our roughly 300 plus personnel here at Quantico. Right, right. And it became operational in the January February timeframe of this year. And say, for the most part, I would say uh, the workforce has been receptive to the, not only the workplace, but being being able to you know operate in this hybrid environment. Now, just like anything, we're optimizing. We're still learning. We're, right, we're making tweaks. Right. We recently came out with a survey, and actually, um, we're, we're we just got those survey results back, and it's it's the gamut. I mean, there's there's yeah. there, you know, hey, this is great. This is not great. This are things we need to challenge. You know, work on. And so that's why I said it's still a work in progress. We're still learning. We're still we're still optimizing it. But um, you know, it just it, it blows me away with the resiliency of the workforce, the flexibility and professionalism of them. You know, because over two years ago, when we went into a hundred percent, you know, you're working from home. Right. I mean, right. that was a that was a significant cultural shift. Oh, and I, then, absolutely. And then we make this significant cultural shift to go back to this, and so you know, throughout this entire time, they've met or even exceeded you know our 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 mission, done exceptionally well. I couldn't be prouder of them. I know it's an awesome facility. I've seen photos and several of my uh, team uh, have been over there and they have glowing comments about it. So I look forward to getting over there. I haven't been over there yet, but it's, it's on my schedule. Well, you have to come for Margarita Monday. The, oh, no, it's well, just well, a- <laughs> well, there you go. Well, hey, that seals the deal right there. 
<laughs> Listen, Colonel Gutierrez, this has been a great conversation. I think you got a phenomenal team over there, uh, a wealth of capabilities that you all are putting out the door. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time, taking a few minutes to uh, talk to us here. But before we let you go, there's something here we'd like to do at the show. That's our lightning round. Ready for some really tough questions? Let's do it. All right. Bring it on. What's your favorite duty station? Michigan. Michigan. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> Not too many Marines a, are going to say Michigan. And I've, I've been stationed in Monterey, California. Have you really? Yeah, right. Michigan. Uh-huh, that's awesome. What's a TV show, book, movie, or a podcast you'd recommend? Okay, so uh, I thought about this. There's a lot of them, but I would say Boyd, the the the, the fighter pilot that changed warfare. Oh, okay. yeah, it's about Colonel John Boyd. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating book. Awesome. I know my producer's over there taking notes. She makes me read everything that uh, you know people recommend on this show. So, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would John Gutierrez be doing? I'd be fly fishing right now in Western Michigan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I don't know how much money you make doing that, but <laughs> having done a little fly fishing in Alaska, it's uh, I, I'd love to be out there with you. And this is the one that uh, gets a lot of people. If you had any superpower, what would it be? Time travel. Time travel. Yeah. Get ahead of the game if you jump on out there. Well, listen, I want to wish you uh, continued success in all the endeavors that you're doing. Wish your team all the best. And again, thanks for being on the show. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, this concludes another episode of Equipping the Corps. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. If so, please take a couple minutes, leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. Till next time, Manny Pacheco signing off.